you know, our church, Calvary Chapel, you know, it's, it's what, are, what, are, what are our ministry, our focus here is to just help you journey through the Bible, to take you back to what was being said, what was being done, and then cross that bridge of application to what God is saying to us today in his word. So I hope, you've been, I hope you're blessed. You know, I really do. I, I, I pray and hope that you are blessed by the verse-by-verse teaching from the Bible. You know, we live in a, in a generation today that's, that's very illiterate when it comes to the Bible. And that, that should not be said of in the church. <laughs> you know, Christians of all people, we should know our swords. We should know the word of God because it's the word of God, Psalms 19.7. It's the, it's the law of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord that converts the soul and changes us and transforms us. So let us do it this morning. You know, we're, 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 we are journeying through um, 1 Timothy. We're actually going to be looking at, picking up at verse 8 this morning, chapter 3. But before you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, let's start off in Acts chapter 6. So turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 6. And the title of my message this morning is, is Blueprint for Servant Leaders. The Blueprint for Servant Leaders, Deacons. Last week, what did we look at? We looked at the, uh, the, what the pastor is. Ephesians 4.11, the pastor is a gift to the body to lead them, to shepherd them. The, the word pastor comes from the uh, Latin word for shepherd and, and, and leading the body. And then we also looked at the elders. We looked at the responsibility of elders. And we need to understand, we need to have a good biblical understanding of church leadership, our ecclesiology, our understanding of, of church, and, and that we do it by the book, that we do it by the word. So what we're looking at this morning is deacons, deacons. That word deacon simply means a servant. I call it a servant leader. A deacon is a, is a servant that holds a special place in the body that leads so let's start off in the first place where Scripture talks about deacons in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Let's take a look at it. It says, Now in those days when the number of disciples were, was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the early church was growing. It was expanding. You had the disciples, the apostles, and the church was expanding so greatly, it was producing a lot of work that had to be done. And so instead of the disciples pulling away from teaching of the word as they were called to do in prayer they said the, the lord led them to appoint deacons and the word specifically comes there at the end of verse two where it says that they uh, serve tables and that phrase serve tables comes from the root word from once from where we get the word deacon from so deacons are in the early church they were there to um, serve tables that's one example the next example i have up on the screen and it comes from romans chapter 16 verses 1 and 2, in Paul's closing words in the book of Romans, he says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant. The Greek word there is deonicus. It means a deacon of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord 
in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So there you have two New Testament examples, the early church, the first century, where they had to have deacons. They had to have people to do the work of ministry. And Phoebe there, she was a, a servant, a deacon of the church at Centria. And church history tells us that Phoebe is actually the, uh, the lady that the Apostle Paul gave the book of Romans to. And he was at Corinth, and he says, here, take this to Rome. You know, he, he, he entrusted a faithful lady named Phoebe to take that gospel, like over 900 miles travel from where she was to, um, to, to, to Rome. So this morning, we're looking at the subject of deacons. You know, I, these, these are deacons are, are servant leaders that God raises up within the body. I like to call it the deacons, the servants. Um, is they, they are the backbone of the church. They are truly the backbone of the church. They are the ones who are getting the work done. Those, they are the ones who are expressing God's love through tangible works, whether it be teaching or serving or loving on people or, or preparing food or teaching a class or working in the sound or video recording or, or worship folks. They are, they are the backbone of the body. So now let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're looking at chapter 3, verses 8 through 16. And remember I told you a couple weeks ago that in, in the Bible, we, we, uh, we have what we call the pastoral epistles. And we call that that's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And that gives the church body instructions on how to effectively minister and to organize the body. So let's, t- let's take a look at it. 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start at verse 8. The scripture says, likewise, deacons, here's the the description of them, likewise, deacons must be reverent. So the first principle here is a servant leader must be serious in their commitment to serve. That word reverent, some of your translations um, say, likewise, the deacon must be dignified. He must be respected. But the meaning of the word there is that they are serious. They are serious. So you won't, we can call them deacons. We can call them ministers. We can call them servant leaders. But this this category of person serving in the body, you you want them to be serious and focused and committed to their local body. You know, in other words, they're they're not here one month and then they're gone the next. They're there. They're putting their hands to the plow, and and, and they're serious. They're reverent. They're uh, dignified. And then it says in verse 8, they're not double-tongued. They're not double-tongued. The second thing you want to see in a, in a servant leader in this person is that their, their words are filled with honesty. Their words are filled with honesty and um, integrity. You know, it matters what they say. You know, you don't want someone serving in this servant leadership role that, that's hypocritical that, that, um, or that gossips, you know. Gossip kills a church. Gossip kills a body. It does so much damage. And so we have to be very protective and, and, and just obey what the word of the Lord says. Don't gossip about people. Don't talk about people behind their back. It, it, it is so wrong. I heard a story once of a lady in a church that uh, she, did, she did it right. Somebody would come up to her and say, hey, I need to talk to you about such and such. And she'd name a person's name. 
And so she would say, hold on, let me go get that person. <laughs> She'd go, let me go get that person. Let's bring them into the circle too. And by the time she got back with that person, there was no more conversation. So it should be with us. Our job is, is, is to speak words of encouragement to each other, to speak words of, of, of correction and hold people accountable. But we do that, we do that correction and accountability one-on-one in private, as the scripture says. But we've got to be careful that we're, that we're lifting each other up. Words hurt. Words hurt. And then he says in verse 8 there, talking about this servant leader, this deacon, he says, not given to much wine. What's he saying there? What he's saying there is, is, is this servant leader doesn't um, misuse alcohol. Doesn't misuse alcohol. How do we misuse alcohol? We misuse alcohol when we, when we get drunk. When, when we get drunk, we misuse alcohol when it becomes a vice and it controls us. We misuse alcohol when we become a stumbling block. You know, is it a sin to have a glass of wine or is it a sin to have a beer? I would say no. I would say no. It's not. But it does become a sin when, it, um, when you become a stumbling block or it controls you. You know, it becomes an idol in your life. You know, or, or you become intoxicated because the scripture clearly tell, instructs us not to become drunk with wine. So that's what we're looking for in a, in a servant leader. That's what we're looking for. You know, so if somebody came up to me and said, Pastor David, Pastor David, I want to serve in the body here. I want to do some, I want to, I want to work, for, work for the Lord and do ministry for him. You know, I would direct him to this passage and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, go look at this passage right here and see what it says. And, and, and this, this is what we're looking for. The next one there in, in verse 8, he says, not greedy for money. Not greedy for money. You could take this all different kind of ways. Simply put, um, a servant leader, a deacon, is one who manages their money well. They're, they're a good manager of their money. And, and they're, they're, they're not driven by greed. You know, they're not here to make a profit. They're not coming into the church and saying, hey, let me make money. Let me sell my stuff. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're here for. And they need to be good stewards of their money in their home and managing their finances and taking care of their home. You know, when you put all these together here at verse 8, the, uh, one, two, the fourth principle I have here for a servant leader is this. The servant leader sets a good example. He sets a good example for others to, others to follow. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. So that's what we want. We want servant leaders that set an example for the rest of the body, not in some legalistic, religious fashion, but in a, a life led by the Holy Spirit, transformed by grace, a, a, a passionate person who wants to see people impact, impacted for Christ. You know, that's, what we, that's the kind of people we want in our servant leader. Because let's just face it, people follow their leader. People replicate who their leader is. You know, children follow mom and dad. For the most part, they follow in their pattern of life. The same in church. People follow in the pattern of the leaders, of the pastors, the elders, the deacons, and the servant leaders. So let's take a look at verse 9. Verse 9, looking at the servant leader, he says, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. What's he saying here? He's saying that this servant leader here holds firmly to Scripture, holds firmly to, to God's Word. 
and, and holds to hold, holding to the mystery of the faith, not only is he holding firmly to Scripture, but, but he's holding firmly to faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus. That's numero uno. That's the number one thing in a servant, is, is he is clinging to and holding to his faith in Christ, and he's letting that compel him to serve others. So the next item I have here is a servant leader is deeply committed to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you remember back when we read Acts chapter 6? What was the disciples, what was their requirement for, for appointing the deacons? Back in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. And here it is, full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. These weren't novices. These were Men that were committed to the cause of Christ, they were transformed. And that's what we want in the nucleus of the leadership of our church and all churches. So it should be in, in all fellowships. But they hold to the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. That word conscious means with knowledge. It means knowing, understanding, and living out what you know in your heart, in your mind, when it comes to the gospel of Christ. Verse 10 Verse 10 is a really good one. I, I, as, I, as I studied it this week, I was like, wow, this is good. This is a great principle for me because I've gaffed in this area so many times. It says, but let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. You know, all leadership in the church. This could go in the home. This could go in the workplace. You could apply this principle in a lot of places. But all leaders... At all levels, not just deacons, not just um, elders, not just pastors, but all leaders at all levels need to be proven. They need to be proven before they, before they are appointed a position in the church. This is so important. This is so important that people, that you kind of give it a trial run, that you, okay, let's see how this works. Let's see how this fits. Let's see if this is a good fit for the church. Let's see if this is a good fit for the believer. That's okay, and it's biblical. Because it says it right there in, in verse 10. You know, there's a lot we can learn. There's a lot can, we can learn when, when people are tested. Number one, the individual that wants to serve, they discover in their heart, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to do? Is this really what God has called me to do? They feel a calling. They want to do a ministry. So the church puts them in that place of ministry. And there should be a season of testing where the first couple weeks, first couple months, it's, it varies depending on individual, but they find out, okay, is this what God has really called me to do? You know, and God shows it to them. Yes, this is where I've called you to. Or he could say, no, I haven't called you here. <laughs> I haven't called you here. This is, this is not what I have for you. Then it shows another reason we, we can, we, uh, people should first be tested. It, it gives the, it lets the leadership discover if this servant leader can be trusted. You know, we don't just put anybody back there with the children. We don't just put anybody with our students. You know, we want to know that these leaders, that these people that serve, these servant leaders, these deacons, are committed to their growth and that they're, they're uh, mature believers. So leadership discovers if the servant can be, tr can be trusted. You know, and we see this in all walks of life. You know, you, you can go to a recruiter Go join the military. And, well, I want to be a mechanic. I want to be aviation operations. I want to be chemical. I want to be this. I want to be that. 
You know, that's great that you want to, you have a specific job you want to do, but guess what you got to do first? You got to go through basic training. You got to go through basic training, and uh, it's tough. It's challenging, and it, it, the, 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 the soldier, the individual, the military member has a gut check those first two weeks. Is this really what I want to do? As that drill sergeant's chewing your ear off, you know? But, uh, there, but it's good. That's good. That's good. It, there's, there's a time, there's a season of testing. There's a season of, okay, is this what I really want to do? Sometimes we make decisions in life, and we step out and we do things, and, and then we learn afterwards, uh, this wasn't the best thing for me. Guess what? That's okay. That's okay. That's part of life. That's part of learning. And Pastor David has experienced it so many times in my life, and I'm sure many of you too have, many of you have as well. But so there needs to be a time of testing, is, is what Scripture is saying in verse 10 for the leader. Now, let's look at verse 11. Verse 11, I'm going to spend a little time here. And, and I hope by uh, teaching from verse 11 that I, my, my, my point is to show you how important it is to study your Bible. You know, sometimes we can just read through it, we can just peruse through it, not capture everything that's there. But let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 in the New King James says, uh, Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Again, this is why you study your Bible. This, this is why you dig into the Word yourself and research it for yourself. You know, I, I believe in my studies, I, I believe it's important that we study different translations, that we break out our concordance, that we break, break out um, Vine's dictionary, go to Bible lo logos, go to a Blue Letter Bible, you know, dive into the words, dive into the text. Because if you look over, oh, thank you, they've already got it up, if you look over at the NASB version, look at what it says. The same verse in the NASB says, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Clearly, you have a, the, a translation. The two translations have two different meanings. Do you see it? One is talking about deacons' wives. The other one just says um, women. So here's the question. Which is he talking about? What, what, what is... God's saying through the Apostle Paul in this text, is he talking about women in general or is he talking about the deacon's wife? Which is it? Give you a couple observations from my studies this week in, in looking into this verse. First off, before you, go, before you get upset with the NASB translators or the, or the King James translators, don't do that. Both of them, both translators are faithful to the text. They are faithful to the text. In the Greek, uh, the word that's used for women and wives is the exact same Greek word, gene. Okay? So they're both, you know, the word gene is used for women and wives, and it's, it's, it's interchangeable. There's, no, there's not a word for women, and there's not a word for wives. It's one word, gene. But I will, second observation here. Is in the, the King James translators, if you look down at verse 11, if you have a King James or a New King James, if you look at the word there in your text, it should be italicized. It should be italicized. That's because the, the King James translators inserted the word there for the flow of the sentence. But it changes the meaning. Likewise, their wives. If you look it up in the original language, go to Blue Letter Bible, 
go to Bible Logos, break out your concordance. In the original language, the, the verse says this, likewise the women. That's what it says. It says, likewise the women. So you still, to, to me, it's making a general reference to women servant leaders in the body. If you're looking at a new King James, though, you're thinking about the, the de- that you still can make an argument. Well, he's talking about the deacon's wife. So, so when we can't see it in the immediate verse, then what we do is we say, well, what else does the Bible say on this subject? Does the Bible bring to light on this specific subject of who he could be addressing? And it does. It does. In Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul, he thanks not one, not two, not five, not seven, but the Apostle Paul thinks ten women in their faithful service. If you, if you, you don't have to turn there, you can look later, but in, in Romans chapter 16, he addresses these ladies, you ready for this? As beloved, as fellow prisoners. He calls them fellow workers. And in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, he addresses Phoebe, as a deacon in the church of Centria. It's my conviction and my position that the New American Standard, the NASB, more accurately reflects the meaning of the verse. So therefore, what he's saying here is is women do serve in um, servant leadership roles within the body. Phoebe did. uh, The ladies in Romans chapter 16 did. So let's look at it. So it says, likewise, according to NASB, it says, likewise, the women, it it, it gives an outline for these these servant ladies in the body. And the first one there in uh, verse 11, he says, they must be reverent. They must be reverent. In other words, they, they take ministry serious. And I'm telling you, man, we have some awesome ladies in our church here that, are, that serve in this role, and they, they knock it out the park. They knock it out the park. Why? Because they take it serious. And we're so thankful for them. The second one there in verse 11, it says uh, they're not slanderers. In other words, they don't use hurtful words. They don't use hurtful words. They, they don't gossip. Praise the Lord for that. You know, that's, that's how you build ministry is when we're not using hurtful words and we don't gossip. The next one there is uh, they're temperate. They're temperate. In other words, the, these female, um, these ladies, these women in the servant role leadership, that they're sober and they think clearly. A lot of the requirements that we see of the elders, we see in the deacons, and that they have a ministry, a major impact on the body. But they're sober and they think clearly. I, I go to my wife on a regular basis and ask for advice. And man, sometimes, man, she just knocks it out of the park. And she gives me some of the best advice I've ever had. And I'm very thankful for her. But we need to listen to our ladies. You know, they, they, get their, they bring a lot of wisdom to the table. They bring a lot of understanding to the body of Christ. And we're very thankful for them. And then finally, he says in verse 11, he says, uh, they're faithful in all things. They're faithful in all things. Some of your translations say uh, they're trustworthy. And so it is with our ladies that are committed to, to the fellowship and to this servant role. They're, um, they're trustworthy. In other words, you can you know, give them a ministry and let them run with it. 
Let, let them run with it. Let them fulfill that calling. Let them put that ministry together. You know, um, we see that throughout the body. So, um, so now in verse 12, he goes back to uh, men. He says, let deacons, you know, and just another quick note right there. We also see in scripture uh, deaconesses and deacons. So he's going back, here in verse 12, he's going back to deacons, men. He says, let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. You know, we're looking for godly men who, what, love their wives. That's, that, that's, a, that, that's a requirement within uh, servant leadership, within serving within the body, is that you love your wife, that you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that you love your children, that you love your children, that, you do, that you're doing your very best to impact your children and to lead them in a, in a godly way and to lead them to the Lord. And that you do it, you, you do your very best, that you, that you lead well, that you lead well. Let, let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and in their, in, in their own houses as well. He's talking about matters at home. Now, I do not believe that a servant or a leader in the church is, is held responsible for an adult child. You know, there comes an age of accountability where they, ha- they have to accept responsibility. But in general, throughout the younger years of their life and as they grow up, you raise them in a godly home. You know, you make sure they're in the house of God. And you make sure that they're in the word and, and you pray with him. And you set the example before them. That's what it means to be a, a godly leader in the home. Verse 13. Verse 13, he says, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. For the men and women who serve as these servant leaders in this servant leader position, this deacon, you are the heart and soul of the church. You are the heart and soul of the body. And check this out. You ready for this? You're following the greatest example. You are, you are following the greatest example. Jesus himself in Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, that word served, the same, it, says, it comes from the same uh, root word for deacon, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A deacon in the church, a servant leader in the church, it simply comes down to this. You love Jesus and you love the body. That's what it is. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. But you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then you love the body. You love to come here and minister to the children. You love to come here and minister to the ladies. You love to come here and minister to the men. You love to come and be a part of the body and build them up. That's what he's saying here. That you you, you obtain for yourselves a good standing. In other words, you're standing in a good place within the body to impact other people. And you have great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. But basically what I, what I believe he's saying there is you're following out. You're following in the footsteps of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he came to save the world, he came to serve the world. We do the same thing. We don't save the world. He saves the world, but we serve the body. But we serve the body. 
And then he says here, as we wrap this up in verses 14 through 16, uh, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. We remember that Paul, the, the reason behind this letter was uh, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus because things were not right. And so Paul is giving young Timothy instructions on being the shepherd, being the pastor at the church of Ephesus and to get them on the right track. And that's why, he's, that's why these letters are written. They're written for uh, our instruction as the body of Christ, but they're in the immediate context. He's, he's, he's showing him that, hey, this is how you get the, um, the church at Ephesus right. In verse 15, he says, how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. This is instructions on how you are to do church, is what he says. He says, which is the church of the living God. Man, I like that. He, we are the church of the living God. He's not dead. God's not dead. But he's up in heaven on his throne, and the angels surround the throne, and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It says day and night they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When you and I sleep at night, guess what? God's not sleeping. He's got a lot of children around this planet on this globe that we live on, and he's taking care of them, and he's keeping everything moving, and he's in control. He's the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, there's a lot that can be said there. The church, he says in verse 15, is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Those ancient pillars, you think about Greece, those pillars, those columns, they held up these massive structures. Well, the church is like the pillar, and the structure is the truth of the Bible. So we are the pillar, the church, and what do we uphold? The truth of who God is. We, we, we stand for the, the truth, and that's the, what we project to the world, is the truth of who Jesus is. When he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, I love this, the greatest philosophical statement in the Bible. He says this, for nothing can be done against the truth, but only for the truth. So we're not creating truth. We're not making up truth. We're just, we're just like a pillar, and we just, we just hold it up. We just hold it up and believe it and cling to it. And then he says in verse 16, and I, what I love about verse 16 is, is this is what unites us all. Whether you're a pastor or an elder or a deacon or, or, or serving in the body or whether you're down the street at the Baptist church or up the street at this other church, this is what unites all church leadership. He says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. What's he given us in verse 16? Verse 16, that verse is giving us a panoramic view of Christ's life from beginning to end. And that's what unites us all. The NASB says uh, one common confession, one common confession that we all hold to, and that is the gospel, and the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. That he, that he, he, he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, suffered and died at Calvary, 
rose from the grave, ascended on high. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He, he will come again in the rapture. He will come again to receive his church. And that is the one thing that holds the body together. That's why I, could, I, should, I should be able to take you as a believer, put you on an airplane to the Ukraine, and you, you go to the Ukraine and visit, and you go and you visit a Christian church, and you, you should experience the same thing there that you experience here. Because we're, we, are, we are one body, because we're, we're all united around one gospel, and that's the word of God. Amen? So what do we look at? Because next, next week, as we move into chapter 4, we're going we're to be talking about the last days. And we're going to be talking about the ungodly times that we're in. But in um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, we saw the, the, the three offices, the three positions. You know, we, saw, we talked about the pastor, which is the shepherd. We talked about the elders. The elders are there with the pastor, helping lead the body. Um, and then uh, deacons, which deacons could also be translated um, servants, servant leaders, Dionicus. And we're very thankful for those guys. So what I'm going to do now is um, I'm going to pray for you guys. And I'm going to pray specifically this morning for those who serve here in the body of Christ. And, and for those of you who want to serve. And uh, we're talking with people. We have applications we're going through and we're looking at. And... Our job at Calvary Chapel is that all people within our local body serve and operate in the gift that they, God has given them for the body. Because it takes the whole body working together. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the sound guys. But it's everyone working together to glorify the Lord and reach people with the gospel. Amen? So let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this study in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 in church leadership, Father God. Father, I, um, I lift up all of our, our, our leaders, all of our elders, all of our deacons, all of our servant leaders, all those who serve in the body of Christ. And Father, thank you for this calling that you've given us, whether it's the marriage class, people serving and teaching in marriage class, people serving and uh, leading in youth ministry, Father, I pray that you uh, just encourage us and strengthen us, Father. And Father, I pray for those who desire to serve. I pray that you prepare their hearts, prepare their minds, God. And I pray that you lead us and guide us and direct us, Father. That as we grow as a church, Lord, that you will provide the, um, the elders and the deacons and the leaders. Father, let us um, be thankful for those who serve in the body. And please bless them mightily from those who serve our little babies in the toddler room to the worship folks on stage. God, will you strengthen us and encourage us, Father, and let us be about your business. And we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.